When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Love Tennis Podcast with me, James Gray, and George Belshaw of Metro.co.uk. Valentine's Day, 2019, and I'm stuck in a small room with George Belshaw. It's the dream. It's the absolute dream. George, what are you doing today? What, surely you've got better plans than being in here with me. I actually really don't. Um, <laughs> that is honestly, tragic. Honestly, this is the peak of my evening. So uh, I finished work. Mm-hmm. I went training uh, as part of my new tennis fitness stuff that's going on next two months. 30 with, seconds uh, he's got to plug okay. in. Well done. <laughs> F45, very, very good. Uh, oh, give them a go. Shameless. <laughs> um, and then I've come here. I remember. Which will be fun. That this is the highlight. This is the peak. I'd say I've climbed the mountain. What are you doing after this? After this, I'm going home and I'm cat sitting. So I'm gonna have some dinner I've already made. Sit with some cats, watch some TV, and make more food for the next couple of days. Uh, because I've got to be pretty on it with my nutrition. What's your girlfriend doing? She's away. She's in Austria. Oh. So <laughs> is that deliberate? Uh, well, <laughs> she with her other boyfriend. Or... Yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. I, I'd, I'd get rid of me too. Um, yes. But I'm hoping you've got. Better plans. Well, my girlfriend lives in Manchester. Oh, yeah. So we're doing a, like a remote Valentine's Day thing. We're both getting Chinese food. We're going to watch a film together, sort of Skype it sort of thing. It's vaguely... Is that going to have a lot of kind of reverberating Yeah, sound? I, I haven't really worked. I think we'll have to mute it and just... Mute watch... her or mute <laughs> <laughs> I think it's clear which one I'll be muting. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be great. I, no, it'll be fine. It'll be lovely. I sent her some flowers and oh. they got their... They woke her up at seven o'clock this morning to deliver. Them. That's nice. I didn't try and send flowers to Austria. No, that's sensible. So. They've got enough flowers in Austria anyway. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like we're both going to maintain our relationships, which is impressive, given we are basically not a very attractive couple of blokes. Uh, but one person who hasn't maintained her relationship is Naomi Osaka. Mm. She has split with her coach. Now, I was going to ask you uh, what you know about it, but I, I gather that I could probably cover that, which is nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of kind of mystery shrouding this move. Um I'd say the best insight I've seen was a little bit from the Japanese press, um, which they were kind of saying Osaka was actually sounding out other coaches ahead of the Australian Open. Mm. Um, and Bajim was absent from a lot of training sessions out there or turning up for just 10 minutes of practice in Australia. So this guy, Sasha Bajim, I mean, what do we know about him? What, what's she running away from? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a really, really interesting dynamic here because Bajim's 
you know, he's worked really, really hard to get into this position. He's been a hitting partner of Serena Williams, uh, Wozniacki, Azarenka. Um, you know, he's he's come through the hard way. He's done the hard yards. Finally landed himself the top coaching job with Osaka. Uh, it seemed like a match made in heaven. He's taken her from outside the top 70 all the way to world number one, winning back-to-back Grand Slams. You know, we've spoken about that last time, just what an achievement that is. Um, and then suddenly they've split. And my, my kind of question, I suppose, would be, is this the sign that Osaka's actually super ruthless behind it all? You know, mm. is she like, okay, this guy's done me really well here. Now I need that top coach, that experienced coach to really take me on to the next level. Um, I think they'll both have no problem finding new matches, I hasten to add on that. I mean, I suppose one thing you can say about Osaka is that she's shown she's very good at compartmentalising. So if this this is a case of her going, you know what, this is as far as this guy can take me and I, I can't get attached, you know, and let any emotions influence me, we know that she's good at that. We know that's something she's very capable of doing. So it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility. Fascinating to see who she ends up with, but is this a time that really you want to do this? I mean, you're at the end of one swing leading to the next, but the, there aren't many gaps in any tennis schedule. If there is one, it's before the Australian mm. Open, you know, between the seasons. That would have made more sense to me to do it then. Yeah, I mean, my, my other mini theory, having read a few of her comments and just <clears throat> pondering it a little bit this week, um, she's been very keen to improve on clay and grass. We know she's a brilliant hardcore player she's won the two hardcore grand slams i just wonder if she's going to bring in someone she feels can improve her on those surfaces a kind of more specialist towards those sort of things um that might be another move but again you might say why not keep Bajine as a base level mm. this guy's working really well we know he's so really familiarity fitness. yeah and then add someone in on top so i don't know it's all kind of mysterious at the minute um she'll win the french open and we'll look like idiots <laughs> that, that's probably what's going to happen I mean, her record on clay, as you mentioned, is is not stellar by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, th- there's a couple of decent victories there, but nothing, nothing special. I think I'm right in saying I can't find many victories over top twenty players on clay. Put it that way. I'm just trying to rapidly do some research on that. <laughs> Two thousand years later, she's never beaten a top ten, top twenty player on clay. There you go. Uh, in fact, you didn't she's... need to look. You knew already. Well, I sort of knew it in my in my soul, in my bones. Uh, she's never even, to be perfectly honest, really got close. She even lost to Joe Conta, and she's rubbish on clay. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it is a surprising timing as much as anything else. I would always say that these things, I sometimes think you can't control the timing. You know, if she, as you say, she's been sounding people out. That would suggest to me she was maybe looking over the winter break and couldn't find anyone and thought, well, I'll stick and stick and stick until eventually she finds the moment to twist. Weird to drop him and not have someone straight in, but maybe that is already happening and we don't know about it. Yeah, I suppose it might be a bit of a saving face thing for him if she's already appointed someone. Hmm. Maybe kind of more low-key announcement in a couple of weeks' time. I, I, I believe she's just pulled out of whatever her next event was in Doha. Um, so I, she's not going to be playing immediately anyway, so that gives her a little bit of time. Hmm. Um yeah, so Work someone new into her team. Yeah. Please stand up. Please stand up. Please stand up. I'm looking for the real number one to please stand up because as of this month, there are two world number ones in the men's game. Colour me confused, George. What on earth's going on? Well, there's been lots of fun 
with this new ITF ranking system. Um, but it particularly piqued my interest this week. I mean, I've known this is happening, but I've not been exploring it that closely so far, apart from to see, you know, lots of players, lots of fans saying it's terrible. I thought I'd give it a little bit of time, see where we're at a month and a half, two months into it. Um, and there was a very, very entertaining announcement last week where the ITF put out a tweet saying, congratulations to the new world number one. No, not Novak Djokovic. It's... Peter Heller from Germany, <laughs> the uh, the ATP 590. That doesn't suggest to me he's a particularly good tennis player. I mean, he's German, was he a good boy? <laughs> well, <laughs> wow. Um, you know, he's... I feel very sorry for him. So uh, you know, I reached out to him after that announcement, after taking the mick out of him a bit on social media, mm. which, you know, I take back Peter with all my heart. That was very, very mean. Um, he was a great guy. Really, really interesting and he, you know, he was very funny, very warm, and he was just incredibly kind of like matter of fact on the whole situation. Basically, to say, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm this number one ITF, but I'm also really, really annoyed that these guys have taken my ranking that was ATP 270, mm. which he'd built up from outside the top 700 in 2018. So I mean, that's a big that's old a, leap. That's, that's in graph. One year. That's graph that area as well. And they've dropped him back down to 600. Mm. Because of this rankings change, I mean, what is why? What are they trying to do? What are they trying to achieve with this? I think that's a silly question to ask. Is it? A, is this a dick swinging exercise? <laughs> I mean, it's just a really, really bizarre situation. I mean, there was some sort of um, survey about the amount of tennis players that weren't making enough money on the tour, and it seems like the plans be right. We'll just cut all the numbers then, and I just don't. I don't think that's the answer. I think there needed to be kind of really serious investment. You know, this kind of taking away... Well, well Heller was kind of saying, you know, they're taking away rankings points from these lower events, ATP ranking points, and kind of building this other ranking. So you've got to focus on two rankings completely at once, which isn't ideal anyway. It's very hard to know where to focus your efforts. You know, if you're only picking up ITF points at the ITF event but you need an ITF ranking to get into challenger events, and that's perhaps slightly above you at that stage, then you know it's, it's very difficult to then convert any ATP points. And you can become ITF number 20 and have not a single ATP ranking point, which he was saying, you know, for the young players coming through, that's not giving you any profile. That's not giving you any chance to shine against the best guys. It's just, I don't know, it just seems a very, very odd system. Well, at least it's nice and simple and clear as always. <laughs> Honestly, trying to wrap my head around this system and what the actual positives are. I mean, David Miley, who's um, challenging uh, David Haggerty, ITF president, uh, in this next election coming up this year, uh, he wrote a really, really long, detailed Facebook post about it, kind of picking out every single problem. We can't go through it all now because it, it took me about 20 minutes to read. Mm. And it... You know, guys like Mark Petchy have been going on about it. There's there's a lot of guys who are very experienced within the game who are just befuddled by the whole thing. And it, it really does take a serious exercise to just sit there, get your head around it. It can't be good for the game. It can't be good for the game. And Heller, as he says, not a single player said to him it's a good thing. He said the ITF haven't spoken to him. Why not? 
Yeah. Why not? Why, why is there no communication between these bodies and the players? We see it all the time. Uh, you mentioned in your Metro Dakota UK piece that some some people were joking it's like a shift towards boxing where you've got four, five, or even six different heavyweight commissioning bodies plus the multiple different belts within those bodies. What tennis has that is really valuable is a very simple ranking system. The men's tour, men's tour in particular is very good at just being like, Grand Slams are this many points. Masters of this many points, and other little tournaments have a little more points. But basically, this point scoring system is blooming easy. Straightforward. Yep. It's, there's nothing complicated about. It. Please, please don't overcomplicate it as they're trying to do. It's just all you're doing is distancing fans from the grassroots of the game. And if you actually want, if these tennis bodies actually want the grassroots of the game to do well, if they want these little tournaments to be successful. Make them easy for fans to understand. Make them easy for fans to connect with. If you make it complicated, you kill those small tournaments. You do what modern media already does, which is funnel it all towards the top. And if you're not in the top 40, you're nobody. You can't have tennis like that. It won't sustain itself forever. George had his annual bath last week. Sorry, his annual trip to bath. Uh, it should be annual, by the way. It's a lovely town, as I'm sure you experienced. It was wonderful. Great vegan scene. I ate so well there. So well there. It was beautiful. Okay, well, I'll take your word for it. Um, you were there for other reasons than to yeah, dine out I on know, quinoa sadly. and kale, <laughs> which I assume is what you live off. Yes? <laughs> a few nuts in there as well. Right, okay, very good. Uh, what were you actually doing? I was there for the Fed Cup back... 26 years after it was last on British soil, the girls came out. I won't ask you what stage of the Fed Cup this was, because that is proper complicated. <laughs> but they won. They won. They won. Um, Impressively? Did very well. Yeah, I mean, Katie Bolter, I'd say, was player of the week. She, um, I, okay, everyone she played was below her ranking or kind of similar to around her ranking. But considering she never played Fed Cup singles before for her country, there was a lot of pressure, home crowd. She really rose to the occasion um, and suggested to me that she could have a pretty decent rankings climb this year, so she'll be one to watch. Um, Conta also won all her matches, so I suppose she get the second best player of the week. Um, few ups and downs, very, very odd final match where she sort of collapsed to her knees in the, the back of the, uh, behind the scenes at the court off court, uh, needed a medical intervention and then came back and won anyway in the third set. Mm. Um, it, it was... It was a really, really well put on tournament. And, you know, the LTA do get a lot of stick sometimes from the media, but they, they did really, really well this week. And it was just a, f- a really funny event. You had all sorts of little things going on. You know, the Conta collapse I just mentioned. Uh, you had the, the Greek girls just claiming that these were the worst standards of officials they've ever seen. Um, I mean, that happens every week. Every, every, <laughs> every week, sort of players are like, ah, this officiating is terrible, I can't understand it. But of course, with no Hawkeye, they were just convinced that they were oh, being robbed. Yeah. And uh, then the LTA put out a statement saying all of these umpires and line officials have uh, officiated at Wimbledon semi-finals or beyond. Mm. So literally very high quality officials. Mm. Um, so it's always got a bit of fun, bit of a Good jar. crowd attendance as well. Very good, yeah. Um, I know it was a record attendance for this level. And considerably. So I think it was just short of 15,000 for the week. It's pretty good. Um, pretty it's good a lot for of women's. Tickets. When you consider that's women's League One tennis, pretty much. In, t- <laughs> in terms yeah, of yeah, the, I know what you mean. the tier. You know, that's that's a pretty 
bloody good attendance. Mm. And they've been rewarded with a home tie yes, in the next finally. round against mighty tennis proud nation of Kazakhstan. Yeah, it's going to be tough, though. <laughs> I mean, OK, I'll take your word for it, George. Yeah, well, they've got uh, Putintseva, yes. who's pretty much the same ranking as Konta. And I know the second girl whose name is evading me right now is pretty much the same ranking as Bolter. So it's a pretty even tie on paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're at home again. We are at home. Are they going to go back to Bath? No. Bath isn't big enough for this one. This is the big one. Right. And where are they going to play it? Uh, so the deal hasn't been signed yet. Copper Box Arena is the favourite. Um, there are a couple still in contention. I mean, where else realistically they go? Shrewsbury won't be big enough. <laughs> There's a few enough. places they're standing out, but of course it's, it's, it's more about how late notice it is to get an arena of the size. So yeah. Kind of I mean, Rico, Rico Arena, they did in uh, Davis Cup Great Britain versus Russia there, which is very successful. It's mm. a pretty good, it's a pretty good place. Well, when is I this? Uh, middle of April. Yeah. Oh, it's Easter weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That, of course, is a problem because a lot of arenas will have Indeed. stuff already. Um, I, I'd be surprised if it's not proper box, to be honest. Okay. But, I mean, that would make sense. It's in London. It's a great arena. It's multi-sport. It's flexible. And, and BT Sport are covering it again. And their offices, are, they're kind of in there, aren't they? Pretty yes, much. they pretty much own the Olympic Park these yeah. days. Um, as far as I can tell, I've only been there for job interviews. Never never successfully. Oh, that's such a shame. Yeah, I'm not bitter. Don't worry. Thanks, so, Someone interesting was on BT Sport this week that I suppose is quite a nice segue. Come on. Uh, Laura Robson. Oh, very good. Yes, of course. She has made her comeback. She's had hip surgery and is back playing, so there's hope for us all, including Mr. Morrow. Um, <laughs> a successful comeback in that she played three sets, or actually lost, but a positive. Yeah, well, it was a bit of a funny one because she played a qualifier, which she won because the other girl retired. Mm. Then she played another qualifier that she lost. And then she got and lucky, she lucky loser in. loser into this one. And then she played two very tight sets and... Seems to run out of steam and lost the last one. She's bailed. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's too early to take anything from it, of course. Um, She's playing again. That's the important thing. You yeah. know, there's always, a, especially with Laura, who's been through quite a lot of different injuries, mm. which always feels unfortunate. But then when you get a big one, you need something like hip surgery. There must always be a worry, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, as she said the comeback was better than it than she expected. Um, I wouldn't say she necessarily looks in her best shape last week which is understandable I suppose after an 8 month layoff mm. um, so there's work to do there's been a few question marks about her kind of motivation and how much she really wants it um, which will be interesting to see because do you think that's fair I mean this is, I think this is a label sometimes thrown at people who have much too much much too young um, because Laura you know she did win Wimbledon girls is that right mm. you know a long time ago realistically a good number of years ago and burst onto the scene you remember she invited Marit Safin to the champions dinner it was weird he had to turn it down he was going to go and then he was like everyone was like no Marit you, you can't go to the champions dinner with this girl she's, she's very young uh, so he politely declined but that was a long time ago now and I think sometimes people throw this label and assume oh well you were very good very young and now you're not any good so you don't you haven't worked hard enough is that fair i mean I, i'm kind of of the opinion and, and this is from speaking to other people as well that it's not the most unfair label on this occasion mm. um that's not to say she doesn't work hard but you know to be a top level athlete it's one thing getting up there getting towards top 30 or whatever she was reaching a couple of fourth rounds at slams you know anyone could do that look at bouchard she has an amazing year going to finals of wimbledon semi-finals at other slams and then drops off a cliff you know staying mm. there's the hard bit you know you think you've made it and you switch off and you 
doesn't happen for you. And Bouchard, to her credit, is starting to build her ranking back up, looking like she wants it again. I'm not saying I think Robson will end up in the same scenario. I think, you know, after seven years of pretty bad level tennis, to be perfectly honest, um, she's got a lot of work to do fitness-wise to get anywhere near the level she needs to be. Um, I do think I do think you have to question the work right there. I know she's been a bit unlucky with injuries, but I, I do think you have to... You know, players who really want it will make it work somewhere. And there's a, now a lot of competition. You know, British women's tennis wasn't always the way, but there is now a big group of girls coming through who are very, very dangerous. And, yeah, I mean, and she's it, nowhere near the Fed Cup team. No. I mean, nowhere near. No. Like, a year, two years ago, you're probably thinking, oh, where's Laura Robson? Can she step in? Hmm. Now, she's nowhere near. She's sixth, really. Yeah, yeah. at best, I would suggest. Mm. There's plenty of others. Um, there was a Davis Cup draw as well. And we have been drawn against the mighty proud tennis nation of Kazakhstan uh, again. Quite exciting, isn't it? Uh, like, Double I guess Kazakhstan. So. Do you think this is going to become like our new tennis rivalry? <laughs> it's going to be the Arsenal Tottenham of the tennis world, Great Britain and Kazakhstan. I mean, we should beat Kazakhstan, right? That they're a, they're a team who we are better than. Yeah, I think we should beat both of this lot. Really, I mean, when you consider we've got Jamie Murray, top five player, we've got mm. Carl Edmund who. I'm hoping we'll kind of re- rebuild his ranking back into the top 20. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's a pretty solid two. Cam Norrie's shown he can win Davis Cup matches. Yeah, he loves fun. it, doesn't he? Um, and you never know. Big Andy Murray might be back. If we, if we can put out a Jamie Murray, Andy Murray, Carl Edmund team, we'll be laughing all well, the way I think, to the title. Uh, I mean, Andy would have to play doubles. Um, but yeah, we've got Netherlands, incidentally, are the other team yeah. we've been drawn with. Again, I'd expect us to beat them. And the format, it's three matches, isn't it? It's like the Fed Cup. Two singles, one doubles? Yeah. Great. Good. That's actually probably the most simple thing about this. Three-man group. Uh, I think there are, what, seven groups? Six, six groups. So uh, what? Group six winners. Six teams go through to best two-place, second-place teams. <sighs> so I mean, if we don't go through as one of the second-place teams, somebody's gone seriously bloody wrong. Uh, yeah, I would suggest that the draw has been very kind <laughs> because <laughs> looking at Group A and Group B, Group A is France, Serbia and Japan. Yeah. I mean, that is That's brutal. Group. <laughs> group, Poor old Japan. Group, group B is Croatia, Spain and Russia. That's that's bloody hell that's hard, isn't it? <laughs> that's unbelievable. I don't think I've quite uh, digested how tough that is. I mean, that's... really, they could be three. Any of those team. three, you would think, could be in a final. Yeah, genuinely. I mean, Russia are kind of good dark horses for this event. Was this draw unseeded? No, so it was seeded, but it's of really it was, random yeah. seeding. Oh, good. So Britain were seeded t- first. Right. But Spain and Serbia were in the second pot. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Russia were a third seed, which you know, but that's because they were a young team, but they right. were a very good young team. Yeah, so that I mean, that is the group of death is Croatia, Spain, Russia. That's a, that's a without really a doubt. Tough one. Who's yeah. coming out? Who's going uh, as in getting out of it? Yeah. I'd hate to say at this stage, but I fancy Russia. I fancy Rafael Nadal out in the group stages. Ooh, I, on I love home, it on home soil. Love it. Croatia are good though. Croatia, of course, uh, champions. Chilich, mm. Chorich. Yes, a very, very tidy too. Chitching, quite. Well, look, I'm now actually quite excited about Davis Cup. <laughs> now we've had a draw, because I love a draw. Uh, I'm actually really... It does ex- feel like a bit more real, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, we've, got, a, like we've got, you know, now that we've got a group that we should get out of and probably won't, because, you know, yeah. it's a British team at a major championship, <laughs> I feel like we're really uh, we're really moving somewhere. Uh, the other groups, other by groups, the way, yeah. just for you, Group C, Argentina, Germany, Chile, that's not straightforward. I mean, if... if- 
Germany would get Zverev out. That's a good group. But Cena but said he, he's not going to play. He's saying he'll be on the beach. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I hope he changes his mind because yeah. that would be a good group. Yeah, uh, Belgium, Australia, Colombia. Look, Australia have got a young team. Uh, depending on which ones of them turn up, I mean, we assume that he who shall not be named won't be there. Uh, <laughs> and and the other one, <laughs> the two controversial ones. But you know, Alex de Manure could lead them to glory. My new favourite ten and Matthew Ebden. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna. Uh, You're just I'm, moving on I'm from moving that. On from You're that. not giving that any credit whatsoever, <laughs> are you? Uh, Great Britain are in Group E with Kazakhstan, Netherlands, and Group F is the US, Italy, and Canada. Uh, interesting to have US and Canada in the same group, of course. Yeah, Canada should come out there, I reckon. Well, you think so? You think Ryanich, that with Ryanich Shapovalov, that would oh, get Elias Seamus back up as well? Yeah, probably. quite and possibly. Possibly, he's um, not a bad doubles player. But well. then the US will have what? Isner, TFO, Jack Sock, very good doubles player. Mm. I, I, I think that'll that's be a, close. That's a good, that's a good team. Isn't and it, then actually? Italy. <laughs> Italy, Seppi Fognini. Could, could be fun. I think they could be the mo- they could it'll be entertaining. <laughs> it'll def- Simone Bolelli might turn up and annoy someone. Just uh, It'll be entertaining. Uh, and of course, in Spain, um, in the end of November, 18th to the 24th of November. So we've got ages to get excited about that. Now, we said we were going to do this a few weeks ago, but we didn't. And that's the kind of... That, that's the privilege that we have, is to just... Roll with the punches. It's a very Love Tennis podcast, just to be kind of different. By the way, if you're not following us on Twitter, at Love Tennis Pod, I'll give you a minute, right, just now, pop your phone out, because you're listening on your phone realistically. Do Forget your passcode, type it in again. Now go to Twitter, Love Tennis Pod, follow. Bingo. All of our brilliant content, including a very funny video of Maria Sharapova chewing George up. I think that's a silly question to ask. Now, we were supposed to do our big three predictions, i.e. we wanted to sit down and work out I say workout, guesstimate, crystal ball eyes, the final Grand Slam tallies of the big three at the end of their careers. Big three being Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, Novak Djokovic, Andy Murray. I'm not going to say sadly <laughs> departed, but uh, maybe doesn't quite figure in this I, debate. I guess his three. <laughs> You're very harsh, George. Now, of course, Federer currently has 20, yeah. Nadal currently has 17, and Djokovic has 15. Yeah. What? what let's start with Roger. Because yeah. I think that is the easiest one. Yeah. I have got a number written down that I've just changed. Okay. I, I, I mean, there's only two possible numbers to my mind. Really? 20 and 21. Yeah. I, I'm going 20. Well, okay. you don't think he's going to win Wimbledon? I, you think, I think I'm going 20. I you think Djokovic is going to win Wimbledon? I've gone 21 just because I can't... You're sentimental. Well, no, it's because I can't... I just... God, I find it so hard betting against Federer. You know, even when he lost the uh, big Kev at Wimbledon, I said he would, but I, I, I wasn't that huge. That was a good shout, by the way. Yeah, I know it was a good shout. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I knew I had watched Kevin Anderson a couple of times that week, and I just knew. I just knew he was serving well enough. And, and when an ostrich serves that well, there's very little <laughs> you can do about it. I mean, honestly, he's enormous. I, I think I think he might win Wimbledon. I just sort of think there's a bloody mindedness to him that just might. Pull, you know, like when a mother pulls a tree off her the child. It's just some sort of superhuman strength he gets in Wimbledon. So I'm going 21. George is going 20. That's good. We're different, at least. Yeah, uh, you know, it's always nice to disagree yeah. with you. I usually think it means I'm right. <laughs> uh, Rafael Nadal, 17 at the moment. <sighs> I have a number. Hard, really hard, Nadal. Yeah, very hard. Very, very difficult. I. We'll probably go 20 as well, actually. I have also written down 20, and I think it'll be three French Opens. Yeah. I, I, 
not that I don't see him winning another slam somewhere else, but that I think his season will just become so clay-focused as he gets older. I, I just don't think he's going to realistically be in the mix for the others. But he, Not that he couldn't. I think he could. But I think the schedule will, will change as he gets a bit older. Yeah, I'm, I might kind of go two, two Frenchies and one, one other one. I feel like Novak might pip him mm. at French this year if he's in this sort of mood. But I don't... It's hard to say if Novak will carry on this sort of mood for every year from now on forever. That's the kind of difficulty. Yeah. Um, but he might win like the US again, for example. I think if he's fit for the US, that sort of slower hard court suits him. So it mm. might, might be two French, one US. But he's impossible to call. I mean, he could be anything from 18 to 24, really, I'd say. <laughs> I'd, honestly, I think there's a wide range with yeah. Rafa, as yeah. there is with Novak. Well, Novak has got 15 at the moment. He's probably in the form of his life. He's the dominant force in men's tennis. How many do you, How many more do you see him getting? Where, what's his final tally? I think, I, again, I think this is just impossibly difficult to do. That's why I'm making you do it, George. I, I have to hurry you. I think 22. I have also written down 22. Have you really? I actually literally <laughs> have. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you my reasoning. Is that I've got Federer on 21. And that'll be an, that'll push Djokovic to that. And seven Grand Slams more. Sounds absurd, but it'll only take him two years at this rate. Maybe three. But I also think that Novak has other stuff in his life. And I think if Federer is done and Nadal is done, and let's say it takes him three years to get to 22, by which time Federer definitely will be done because he'll be about 50, <laughs> Nadal's knees will have fallen off at last. And I do think that if Djokovic will win his 22nd and drop Mike there and then, because he'd be like, you know what? A little bit a little bit of Nico Rosberg, just like, I've achieved everything I need to achieve now. I'm going to go and spend some time with my wife. The, the other number... That would be really interesting if he did get to that and did as Serena. you're saying, hmm. yeah, Court and Serena. I mean, that would be a real. I mean, we're talking really bloody far off. That would require him to get ten. Yeah. So I mean, that is tough. But I'm just saying, if he were to do what you're saying, get to twenty-two. You think the mic? Drop I think the mic drop would be delayed. Thinking right, S- screw the best, just man. I'm going to be the best of all of you and be the serious super goat. Well, what if he's well? Maybe he'll start winning Davis Cups as yeah. well. But I, I I don't think he'll do that. To, to clarify, so I, you're I, so you're on twenty two. I'm on twenty two. I think in what two and a half years, three years, three years. I, I I think he'll win. Let let's say for the sake of argument, this year he gets to seventeen. Yeah. Or eighteen. Eighteen, you think? I know for a fact you think eighteen. Yeah, but I'm sticking with my original Nadal conservative prediction right, okay. for the French. So we'll say seventeen this year. I think he can win two again for the next two years. That would take him to 21. Yeah, and then, and then maybe a kind Nick, of swan Nick one in yeah. whatever year that takes us to. Yeah, and hopefully by then, some of these young guys are strong enough to push him. But I mean... Hopefully right- by then as well, um, technology will have moved on so far that we can't even recover the, the, the tape from this <laughs> podcast and we can't embarrass each other by pointing out how wrong we might be. Mm. Well, we're pretty much in the same boat on Nadal and Djokovic, aren't we? And yes. we're only one away from Federer. Yeah, which, no, I, so mean, I think there's a kind of general. We're, we're going to both look like idiots. Yeah. So, so we're in it that. together. We can capsize and sing together. <laughs> Great. This is my be my Valentine's Day with George <laughs> Belshaw, ending with us capsizing in a boat and drowning together. I hope you've had a better day. We'll be back on the Love Tennis podcast soon. Remember to follow us on Twitter. Hit us up on iTunes as well. Give us a rating. Leave us a nice review. We'll see you soon. 
Podcast Network.